Well, um, the other thing we wanted to talk about real quick before um, we jump into the message, and you might notice that this, things are a little bit different tonight because we only sang a couple songs instead of more, and that's because, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but, but the reason that, the other thing I want to talk about is, is that we are going to have a meeting next Saturday night after the access service, and the point of that meeting is to rally together and talk about this service and just what's happening, how things that we could do better, things that have gone really well, and just to kind of have a powwow and, and kind of rally the troops um, to keep going. And so what I would ask of you is this. You guys are all here, obviously. Some of you are here every week. Some of you maybe not. But if you're interested in taking a bigger part in this service, Join us next week. The meeting's at 6.15, just right after access. We're going to provide food. Adam told everyone that I would be making the food, and I promise that that's not the case, so you should come. If you want to come, just be a part of that. Um, you know, let your voice be heard. Give us feedback. Give us direction. Or if you just want to be a bigger part of this service, we would love to have you um, as, as we meet next week. So, so next week, 6.15, access kind of leadership powwow, um, and, and come join us, and don't eat before, because we're going to have food. But um, we're working through our series called The Journey, and so as we journey together through The Journey, we are, we're going to talk tonight about the third part of this, which is worship. I told you that things are a little mixed up tonight, that we're doing things a little bit different, and usually we have more of our singing at the beginning, but tonight we wanted to intentionally switch that up because we want, after um, I speak and as we react and as we respond to what we're talking about, we want you to have some time to worship the Lord. And so let's just jump into it. Um, the first part of our, our series was Ricky came up and he talked about the journey. He talked about his journey. And he talked about the fact that we're all on this journey together, that God is calling us from somewhere. And he did a good job talking about how he was kind of in a place that was, he was felt stuck he wasn't being fulfilled, he wasn't experiencing life to the fullest, and God called him out of that onto this journey, and he's been growing, and God's been leading him, and that God is leading him to another place, which we talked about being the promised land, or what God has for us. And so, we, Ricky talked about the fact that we are all on this journey together, and whether you know it or not tonight, God is calling you on a journey from where you were, from your personal Egypt to a better place, to the promised land. And then last week, we talked about the fact that when God calls us on this journey, when God calls us out of Egypt and God takes us on this journey that God provides, no matter what you're going through, whether it's small, whether it's huge, whether you feel like things are great, whether you feel like the enemies are all around you and it's going terribly God provides. And one of my favorite lines from last week was that God's will will not call us where God's grace cannot sustain us. So the idea is that God has called us on this journey and is taking us somewhere, but God provides along the way. God gives us everything we need to be who God calls us to be. And so tonight, I want to talk about our response to that. I want to talk about our side of, of our journey, and basically, I want to talk about worship. 
Because worship is central to our journey. And so we talked about Egypt, we talked about the journey, we talked about the promised land. I just want you to remember that when we talk about Egypt, we're talking about a place where we're living uh, maybe in bondage or we're not experiencing fulfillment or what God has for us and we're stuck in this place where we're serving things that we shouldn't serve. And when we talk about our journey, we're talking about God calling us from there and leading us somewhere else. And when we talk about the promised land, what we're really talking about tonight is not a place necessarily, but that we would be a part of God's kingdom, that we would find wholeness and fulfillment in God's kingdom. And so we're going to talk about worship, and we're going to start in Exodus chapter 4, verses 21 to 23. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And I really want to focus here on 22 and 23. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. So let me read that last part again, because this is what we're talking about tonight. This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. Now this language is found over and over again in the beginning of the book of Exodus. This language of let my people go so that they may worship me is over and over again used in the book of Exodus. In fact, in In the period of the 10 plagues, not 12 like I said last week, but the 10 plagues, in the period of those 10 plagues, seven times Moses goes before Pharaoh and says, let my people go, let God's people go, so that they may worship me. That's what God's saying to Pharaoh through Moses. Let my people go so that they may worship me. So what we see right off the bat in the book of Exodus is that God didn't just call the people out of Egypt to a journey, but God called them to worship. God calls us to worship. Let my people go so that they can worship me. Now what does that mean? That's important for us to know tonight. What does it mean that God calls us to worship? Well, the word that's actually used there is avad, and and that word can actually be translated in a few different ways. One of the ways, if you read the NIV or, or several other, the message, other versions, it reads just like I said it, let my people go so that they may worship me. But if you read the King James or some other versions, it'll say, let my people go so that they may serve me. And so what does it mean that God is calling them out to worship or to serve God? That's an important question. Well, I wanted to just know, what what does the dictionary say about worship? And so I looked up the the, um, definition of the word worship on dictionary.com, because I don't use books anymore, I use the internet, right? Do any of you use books very often? Okay, good for you. I do use books every once in a while, but I also use the internet. So I went to dictionary.com, because that's a lot easier than pulling a big book off the bookshelf and and soaring through it. And, And the definition of worship is this. Reverent honor and homage paid to God or a sacred personage or any object regarded as sacred. So the first thing is reverent honor and homage. The second definition would be formal or ceremonious rendering of such honor. So in other words, the first thing is honoring um, 
um, being reverent and honoring a, a sacred person. The second part would be the, the motions of it, the formal worship. Worshiping is formal and ritual. And then the third part is adoring reverence or regard. And so we get this picture of worship from the dictionary that worship is more than just the motions we go through. Worship is loving and honoring and adoring God. And so when God calls them to worship, God is calling the Israelites to more than just a worship service. God is calling the Israelites to much more than just to come out and sing some songs and pray together and then go back. God is calling the Israelites to the promised land. In chapter 3, we see that God has something better. God wants to take them on this journey to the promised land. And so when God calls them to worship, God is calling them not just to a destination, but to a life experience. God didn't just want singing and dancing. God wanted everything. God wanted their lives. And so when God called the Israelites out of Egypt to worship, God was calling them to a life of worship. Do you understand what I'm saying there? When God calls us out of Egypt, God isn't just calling us to sit here and sing together. God is calling us to a life of worship or a journey of worship. And so that journey from Egypt, from meaningless living, from serving things that didn't matter, to a journey of worship where their whole lives are worship to the promised land where they can find fulfillment in what God has for them. And so as I was looking through different materials, one of the things I stumbled on was, was something that I had written down. I have no clue where this came from. It was on a piece of paper that I wrote down in my office, but it was this question, and I think it's an important question for us to ask here tonight. It says this, what if our reactions are more a part of our worship than our forms? What if our reactions are more a part of our worship than forms? Our hearts more than our processes. So think about that. What if our reactions and our heart are more important to our worship than our forms and our processes? And so just picture this with me. You came here tonight. You're sitting in a worship service right now. And some of you, your mind might be a million miles from here. Some of you may have come in tonight with a bunch of different things going on in your life, and, and your mind is just a million miles from this place. And, and let's be honest, we've all been here, right? We've come into a service or a worship gathering, and we've sat through it, and our mind has been elsewhere, and we really haven't opened our heart to God. That's no, that's not worship. Worship is opening our hearts and our minds and our lives and giving everything we have to God. God doesn't want us to just come sit in a sanctuary together and sing some songs like robots. God doesn't just want us to come go through motions. God wants our hearts and our reactions and our lives. And so ritual and, and motions are not bad, but God is calling us to something so much more. God is calling us our hearts. God wants our hearts. God wants our reactions. God doesn't want us to sit here like robots. God wants us to interact with him in this process. And so our worship is so much more than our motions. It's our heart. It's our reactions. 
One of my favorite scriptures, I think I said this two or three weeks ago, I said that I could use Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 in every sermon, and I'm going to use it again tonight because it is perfectly important to what we're talking about tonight. So Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 2 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What this says is that our worship is about offering ourselves, offering everything we have to God and being transformed. And so as we journey, we offer ourselves to God, and as we, are tr- as we journey and worship, God is transforming us. And, and so I want to take a look. This is kind of similar to what we did last week, but I want to take a look at the different ways that the Israelites worshiped in, in, in their journey, the different ways that on their journey they worshiped. And I think this is important because it has some, some effect on how we view our own worship. So the first thing, They responded to God's call. They were stuck in Egypt, life was terrible, and they cried out, and God saw and called them out to something better, and they responded to the call. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt God's calling, and have you ever responded to a calling of God? I'll never forget my junior year of high school. I was in Florida at a Tennessee district. This is confusing. I was in Florida at the beach on a Tennessee district teen camp. Okay, so Tennessee district teen camp went to Florida. And we're having a service there in Florida on my junior year of high school. And I'll never forget that during that service, I clearly felt that God was calling me to ministry. And I responded. And you would be shocked to find out how I responded. How did I respond? Yeah, I cried. I cried all the way up to an altar. And I said, God, if you're calling me, I'm all in. Take it all. I offered myself as a living sacrifice that night. God called, and I responded. And so when God calls, responding is worship. What I did that night, walking to an altar and saying, God, you can have it all, was worship. And so God called them, and as they responded to God's call, they were worshiping. The second way is through their attitudes and their reactions. Let's be honest, if you read through the book of Exodus, this is where the Israelites struggled over and over again. And let's be honest that this is where we struggle over and over again, is with our attitudes and our reactions. Whether it's not having what we need, whether it's feeling like things aren't going our way, whether it's just feeling like God isn't with us, it's easy for us to have the wrong reaction or attitude. And the Israelites messed that up time and again, but but every time they messed it up, they repented and they sought forgiveness. The truth is, we worship in the way that we respond to the circumstances in our life. That's worship. And so when something happens to you, whether it's great or whether it's terrible, when you hit a bump in the road, worship is the way you respond. And you can either worship God through your response, or you could worship yourself and other things. 
Who do you worship and your responses and your attitudes? Whether, whether you're going through struggle or whether, whether you're going through great times, you're worshiping something through your responses. One of the books I was reading was by Andy Stanley, and he talked about how there was a point in his father's career, Charles Stanley, who was a big preacher, he was well-known, but he went through some troubles, and at one point in his life, everyone seemed like they were against him, and he went to a press conference where he knew that people were going to be talking bad about him and, and trying to get him to, to be in trouble and do things, and Andy Stanley talks about how he sat there, I believe this was when he was in college, and he watched his dad sit there in front of all these people that didn't like him and wanted to hurt him. And he took the high road and he responded and had an attitude of worshiping God, not protecting himself. That's worship. What you do in response to the things that happen in life is worship. The third way that they worshiped was through reverence and respect. We see early on in the book of Exodus the story of, of Moses being called to the burning bush and we see that he has to take off his sandals because he's on holy ground. And over and over again through the book of Exodus we see that God is not just some person that's along the journey with him. God's not just some little statue. God is this amazing presence. Whether it's in a cloud, whether it's in a pillar of fire, whether, whether it's up in a mountain, they didn't treat God like their buddy. They treated God like the almighty creator of everything. They respected God. They were, they were afraid of God because of God's great power. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to look at God like our buddy. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to, to come and worship and, and not think of God as this amazing cosmic creator that created everything, but to think of God as just someone that we're here to hang out with. And there's nothing wrong with loving God and thinking God is of being our friend, but we've got to understand that we're serving a God that, that is the ruler of everything. God is awesome and mighty. Our worship should reflect that. I, this, this makes me think about a movie, and this is, I'm a little bit, um, I'm worried about myself because this is the second time I'm going to quote this movie in the last month, and it's Wayne's World a 90s comedy from some Saturday Night Live people, and Wayne's World is all about these rock and roll guys, and they go to this concert, and they see these amazing musicians, and, and they just start saying, we are not worthy, we are not worthy, and that's the reverence and respect that we're talking about when you're in somebody's presence, and they just amaze you. When I, when I was young, we had the opportunity when we lived in Texas to go to Houston, and we went to Houston to see the Reds play. And um, Brian Crabtree and, and Dad and, and, and um, Andrew and the brothers were there. And um, we went to see the Reds play. And, and we had this awesome opportunity to stay in the same hotel that the Cincinnati Reds stayed in. And, and I'll never forget that after the game, we're standing there in the lobby of the hotel room. And these guys come walking in. And, and my childhood idol, Barry Larkin, walked right by me. And I'm just like, wow, that's Barry Larkin. He's the man. He's my favorite. And there was this reverence and this like, whoa, I am not worthy. And that's nothing compared to the creator God, the, 
the God that we worship here today isn't just a really good baseball player or a really good band or somebody that we've looked up to. This is the God that created everything and the Israelites understood that they had to respect and, and have reverence for this almighty God. And so part of our worship is understanding who we're worshiping and having a respect and a reverence for God. The fourth thing is they, they worshiped through their obedience. When God called them and they were obedient. And then when we see that when they're in the wilderness, God gives them the law, gives them commandments. All of this law that told them how to treat each other, how to treat God, how to live their life. And we see that they're called to obedience. Let me ask you a question. Are you obedient to God's calling and God's will for your life? Are you obedient to the laws and the commandments that God has given you? Here's the truth. We were talking about that, that, that this week, that God's commandments and God's law are there for our good. They're there to help us be transformed and go to the promised land. And when we mess it up, it leads to destruction. But God calls us to be obedient to his will so that he can transform us and take us to where we're going. Are you obedient to God's calling and God's commandments for your life? That's worship. Obedience is worship. The fifth way that they worship is through their offerings. The Israelites had a very good understanding that everything that they had was not theirs, but it was given to them by God. This is something that's pretty hard for us. It's really easy to think that, that we deserve or that we own or that what we have is somehow ours, that we earned it and it's ours. But the Israelites had a great understanding that everything they had came from God. And so their offerings, they would offer the best of what they had back to God out of obedience and reverence. Do you offer your best to God? Have you ever given just a really great gift? And I'm not talking about a Christmas gift. I'm not talking about something to somebody like on Christmas where you had to. I'm talking about have you ever just given something amazing to somebody just because you loved them and wanted to? What an amazing thing to, to love someone so much that you want to give them your best. The Israelites gave their best to God and their offerings were worship. The sixth way they, they worshiped was through their relationships. God had specific laws for how they would treat God, but also how they would treat others. And when they, when they were in relationship with each other, the way they treated each other was worship to God. If somebody looked at the relationships in your life, would they see worship to God? Let me be honest and tell you that this is, this is something that God's been transforming me in lately and understanding that my marriage is more than just a relationship between my wife and I, but it's a relationship and an opportunity to worship God with the way I treat my wife. The way I treat my kids is, is worship to God. The way I treat my friends, the way I act on social media, the way I, that my relationships are worship to God. Have you ever just spent, spent time with someone and you couldn't help but feel that you were worshiping in that time. One of, the, one of the awesome things I get to do here is I get to do hospital visits every week. 
And, and I just got to tell you, sometimes I get busy and I just go through the motions of walking in and visiting, but, but every once in a while I'll do a hospital visit where I sit in a room with someone and I talk to them and I can just feel God's presence in our relationship. Kelly Underwood is one of those from our church that I visited him several times and I'm just sitting there visiting him, talking to him about God and about the things that are going on in life and I walk away from there feeling like I've worshipped because my relationship is worship. Are your relationships worship? Is your marriage, is your family, are your friends and the way you treat them, is the way you treat people on social media, is that worship to God? Or is it about you and yourself? And the last way is, is they worship God through ritual. In the book of Exodus, God gives them clear instruction of how to build a tabernacle and what to do with that tabernacle. And they had clear calling to worship by ritual, to do certain things in certain ways to worship God. And because of obedience and reverence, they offered their worship. Are you regularly worshiping God, are you regularly joining together and doing the ritual of worship with people around you? In college, I, I had an internship, and my parents lived in Nashville, so when I went to college, they were about 10 or 15 minutes away at Grace Church, and I had spent about seven or eight years there, and I loved that church, and I was really involved, but then I had to do an internship. And in that internship, they assigned me to another church. And so for the first time in my life, I felt like I, I was a fish out of water and I was at this other church where I didn't know people and I wasn't involved. And can I just be really honest with you guys and tell you that I kind of got out of the habit of regularly worshiping the way that I always did? That at Grace Church, I was always there and I wanted to be there and I, I wanted to go through worship. But for that semester or two, I felt like I was totally disconnected because I wasn't regularly worshiping with my family and with my congregation. God calls us to regular ritual worship together. What we're doing here tonight is worship. God calls us to come together and do the things we do out of worship. And so as we look at those seven things, we understand that all of these things are a part of our journey, and all of these things are worship. As they walked through the wilderness, the Israelites were worshiping in everything they did. And as they were worshiping, God was transforming them to be who God called them to be as he led them to where he was taking them, the promised land. Have you ever stopped to think, why did this journey take 40 years? Why would it take 40 years to make the journey from one place to another, that journey is not a 40-year journey at most. It's maybe a year. And it took them 40 years. Why would it take them 40 years to go from where God's calling them to where God, from where God's calling them from to where God's calling them to? Why would it take 40 years? And I want to suggest this, that it's more than just God calling them from a place to a place, but God was calling them to be transformed and for 40 years, they worshiped through every facet of life, and God was transforming them to be who he called them to be so that when they got to the promised land, they could be God's people. And so their journey was worship. For 40 years, they were learning lessons, and they were worshiping. Here's the coolest part. 
This is something that hit me the other day, and I love this. So we talked week one about the fact that God calls us from here and is calling us to a different place, to the promised land. And last week we talked about the fact that God provides in every way we need him to along the way. And this week we're talking about worshiping, but here's a really cool thing. We can worship God because of his provision. See, back in the Old Testament, they had a lot of different gods. The people in the Old Testament days had a lot of different gods that they could worship. They had a god of rain. They had a god of the crops. They had a god of fertility. They had all these gods that they used like slot machines, where if they needed something, they would go and they would put their quarter in and they would make a sacrifice and they would pull that lever and they thought that they could get what they needed. The Israelites were literally stuck in a place where they had to worship the Egyptians because if they didn't, they'd be done for. And so they were totally relying on Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they were totally relying on these other gods to get what they needed. But when God called them out, God provided everything that they needed. And because of God's provision, the Israelites could fully trust and worship the one true God. Because God provides, like we talked about last week, we can worship. It's because of God's provision that we can truly worship. And so as we move through this journey, I just think it's awesome that we're starting here and God's calling us out, but God's giving us everything we need. And so our response is that we can worship because we don't have to worry about money and we don't have to worry about the people around us and what they think and we don't have to worship success in ourselves because we understand that God's got it covered. God wants our hearts and our lives and we can give it to God because God's got us covered. And so everything we do along the way is worship. And so here's what you need to know tonight. Regardless of where you are, Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of your place on the journey, you can and should worship in everything you do. Worship doesn't only happen in the sanctuary. Worship doesn't only happen when you're on the mountaintop and everything is perfect and the situation is exactly what it needs to be and so you worship. Worship happens in every aspect of life. One of my favorite classes that I took was Psalms and Wisdom Literature. And if you look about the middle of your Bible, you'll find the Psalms. And the Psalms are literally a book of worship. And if you read through the Psalms, you'll see that they contain every uh, emotion, every experience of life and worship. They're written out of joy. They're written out of reverence. We see Psalms where they say, God, you are so amazing, you are so great. And this reverence, they're written in sadness. They're written in anger and frustration. They're written in distress. And we see that the Psalms, a book of worship, worship is our whole lives. Everything we go through, God wants us to worship no matter where you're at. And so tonight, if you're in Egypt and you're in this place where you feel like life is totally messed up and you're a slave to things that, that, that aren't giving you fulfillment and you're not who you were created to be, I believe that God wants you to call out and I believe that God wants to call you out and as you respond, you're worshiping. Tonight, if you feel like you're lost in the wilderness and you don't know where to go and what to do, I believe that your worship is seeking God's direction, saying, God, lead me, I'm lost. 
If you're going through a tough time and you feel like everything around you is bad and you feel like you, feel like you can't make it, I believe tonight your worship is to say, God, I trust you. Take care of me. Provide for me. Tonight, if everything is great and you're sitting here thinking life couldn't be any better, your worship is saying, God, thank you for what you've done. I want to give back to you. I want to praise you because of what you've done and understand that it's not because of how great I am, but it's because of God's provision that we are where we are. Tonight, maybe some of you are struggling to live according to God's law. Maybe tonight some of you are struggling to be obedient to God, what God wants for you, and you can feel that. Tonight, your worship is committing to be obedient to God's calling and God's will for your life. And maybe some of you are struggling to make church and make the ritual of worship together with the church a priority. And I believe tonight that your call and your, your act of worship is to commit to God to worship regularly with the body. And, and so tonight, we can worship in a lot of different ways, and the band's going to come up now, and we literally are going to sing two worship songs together, together, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about where you're at in your life, where you're at in your journey, and I want you to worship God in your response and your actions. I don't care if you sing. I don't care if you cry. I don't care what you do. I want you to open your heart to God and say, God, you can have it all. And you're welcome to come up here and you're welcome to pray if there's something that's going on. You're welcome to stand and you're welcome to put your hands up. You're welcome to do whatever you have to do. But the most important thing we can do tonight is to understand that our worship is opening our hearts and giving everything we have to God. And so as we sing, offer yourselves as living sacrifices to God. Lord, we come before you. And we thank you that you call us. And we thank you that you provide for us. And Lord, as we sing together for the next 10 or 15 minutes, I just pray each and every one of us would truly open our hearts and worship you. I pray that whether things are going great, whether we're lost, whether we're in the worst part of our life and we're in darkness, that we could open our hearts and worship you with our attitude and with our response. We love you, Lord, and we know that you're with us, and we want to worship you together now. In thy name, amen.